0: Order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County.
1: The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other
2: health prevention.
0: PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org.
1: Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rushed. One of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yeah, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's Tuesday. It's time for the flagship show. And yes, it is Murph who's introing the show. Uh, Stocks is away on holiday and he desperately wanted to uh do the show and the plan was for him to do the show but uh, when he got to where he's staying there's no wi-fi which made it a little bit difficult for him to to do the show so uh instead last minute um i pulled out my phone luckily the first person i contacted has said yeah i'm happy to come on uh he's a voice that if you've been listening to the show for quite a while um he you be someone you recognize and if not and you're a new listener then you should find out who he is because he's pretty cool uh his name is ben rolfe ben welcome back to five year rush how are you doing
2: yeah good thank you so it's going to be an interesting podcast with both of us trying not to wake children up in our house it could be, <laughs> could be funny if, if yeah it could be if one of us randomly disappears there's a child start screaming somewhere in our house somewhere
1: nah man that won't happen because if nothing else stocks is going to do the editing and he'll make it seamless so no children were woken up in the in the recording of this podcast <laughs> um ben you hail from um not so sunny birmingham uh, how how is birmingham at the moment we're well, just outside
2: birmingham to be fair no well, it's not so sunny well it, w- it wasn't sunny when i went into where i went to today and it was sunny when i came out and i thought i'd been there for way longer than i have but that's a child's soft play for you it makes you feel like you've been in somewhere for many many days <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that I, I, I've got that to look forward to. I haven't quite got to that stage <laughs> just yet. But uh, how is uh, Birmingham responding to uh, the, the documentary series Peaky Blinders and looking to modern day Birmingham?
2: Oh, it's it's just like being on Broad Street, really. Well. The behaviour is actually worse on Broad Street than what they get up to <laughs> on Peaky blinders. So um, I can safely tell you I haven't been on Broad Street since I was at university in Birmingham. And that was, what, seven years ago? So actually, I think my mum and my stepdad have been on Broad Street more times in that time than I have, even though I actually work at the top of Broad Street. And yet somehow I've managed to avoid it my entire working life. <laughs>
1: Oh, i've been a few times but not not recently um it's funny because i obviously speak to a lot of people in america and they ask me about peaky blinders and where it hails from and i just tell them it's a modern, <laughs> i tell them it's a modern day documentary um uh, so well if they came over here.
2: they they, well, if they came over here they'd probably still believe
1: it <laughs> i was gonna say that peaky blinders is probably the most famous thing to happen to birmingham since peter Enkelman threw the ball or someone threw him a throw-in and he let the ball in from a throw-in in in the Birmingham Derby in uh, 2002, I think it was. Um, That was quite a hilarious moment. I know you're not a big football fan, but surely you must remember that one.
2: I I can recall. it. I was actually trying to think of anything more, but all of mine are cricket-related and no one in America actually cares about cricket. So that would be a pointless story for me to tell.
1: Well, let's stick to a, a different form of uh, of ball then. We'll stick to the one that everyone has tuned in for and not the the little red shiny one. So let's get into some news for the week and uh, you can help me break some of this down. So um, just before we came on air a couple of hours ago, uh, Devlin Duck Hodges has been named the Steeler starter in week 13 versus Cleveland. Uh, thoughts on this, Ben?
2: I mean, it's better than Mason Rudolph. But it's still not really going to have much fantasy relevance outside of your your deepest two team leagues. I mean, you've probably been using Mason Rudolph at some point, just simply because with all the bye weeks in in anything deeper than say a twelve twelve team two QB league, you you're probably you're probably talking about having to start Mason Rudolph some weeks or start other non. Wantable options like Jeff Driscoll. So, um, this comes at a good time, really, because he is more entertaining to watch, probably, but you're not going to need to use him that often in fantasy because you're going to have all 32 quarterbacks available from this week. So, I think it could be good for James Washington because I feel like um, Hodges is a little bit more aggressive when he throws the ball, and it'll be interesting to see when we get Smith Schuster back for sure what their kind of rapport is like because. A lot of people could really do with a good run from Smith-Schuster down down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I'm not confident of that. I think if you're still holding on to him and you didn't trade him at the trade deadline, uh, I think he's almost cuttable now. I just think the schedule going in and the uncertainty at quarterback and the lack of targets, I don't think you can... Rely on. I mean, you're not starting him. I mean, I know he's injured now, but even if he comes back, you don't know what full extent he's going to be back to. And then you think, well, are you going to risk him in a fantasy playoffs? Because I, I certainly
2: wouldn't. I actually started him in a league this week because I didn't realize I had him until uh, Sunday. And then once waivers cleared, my app froze on sleeper, and I thought I'd put uh, Sterling Shepherd in or Darius Dayton, <laughs> I think it was, and I hadn't. And when I looked at 10 past uh, 6, uh, how things were going, I realised I still had Smith Schuster in my lineup, and the six points that I would have got from Darius Slayton would have won me the week. So uh. so I hate Juju Smith Schuster now more than ever.
1: I just can't. Just, you feel good. I cut David Johnson in the league last week, and it was great. I felt brilliant about it.
2: That, that's a <laughs> That's quite a valid point, actually. I might go that way, especially considering that league I've got some, some Chiefs coming back this week. so yeah,
1: Perfect. Uh, another quarterback who will be starting this week is Andy Dalton. Uh, so, Zach Taylor has announced on Monday that Dalton, who was benched for three games in favour of Ryan Finley, will be returning back to the side. Uh, this has been met with positive vibes, I would say, Ben?
2: Yeah, I guess so. Again, I don't really know what to think of it because... I feel, I feel a little bit for Ryan Finley. He, that is his shot probably in the NFL, to some extent, gone. And I, I do feel for him actually being one of the worst offences I think I've ever seen on a football field. What's Dalton going to bring? He's not going to bring a huge amount to, for to him. He's not going to bring a huge amount for his wide receivers. I, I just don't think you're starting anyone in Cincinnati unless you're absolutely desperate. Mm, I don't
1: mind that Alden Tate. I think he had a good relationship with Dalton and he was fantasy relevant for quite a few weeks and it doesn't look like the AJ Browns, uh, AJ Green's going to come back and um, Tyler Boyd was going sort of downhill before that. I think Auden Tate is a desperation like a flex play some weeks. I think it it, it might be worthwhile, not this week, not against the Jets, but um, maybe in a couple of other games, he might be somewhat relevant.
2: Yeah, he's an interesting DFS player just simply because his salary is often so cheap that um, he's almost like he's forgotten by the DFS guys because they just they don't, they don't ever seem to price him more than just above the minimum. So he's always a solid, oh, I really need a cheap option. I need someone who's going to get three or four targets a game, could score a touchdown, and Tate's always there. In, in regular fantasy, I'm probably not touching him, but DFS, he's actually been one of my guys this year.
1: Yeah, and and the thing is, at the start of the season, he was throwing the ball quite a lot. Um, he was really, you know, getting a lot of uh, a lot of balls downfield. He was, you know, he was doing really well. Like he had a lot of three hundred yard games in a row. He was getting touchdowns. He was relatively productive. I think at one point, I think he was leading the league in passing yards because he was getting forty fifty passes a game under the new Zach Taylor offense. So um, I don't think it's going to go quite to that level. But the one thing I am worried about now with Dalton is that could be the end of Joe Mixon for the rest of the season.
2: Yeah, it could be. And also, I'm looking now, it looks like um, John Ross has been practicing for a couple of weeks and he could be cleared to return. So it could be interesting to see just how those two, how it works when he comes back, because John Ross was a real fantasy deep threat in the early parts. And again, if you're just looking for a, a Hail Mary in the early rounds of the playoffs or the last round of the regular season, then absolutely John Ross is that Hail Mary.
1: Yeah, I think especially if you've got an IR spot in your league and John Ross has been dropped, um, pick him up and just stash him on the IR until he comes back. Worst case scenario, he doesn't come back and you're not wasting a roster spot. Um, but I think of all the people out there, if you're going to take a long-range punt on, um, I think you're right. I think he's someone I would I'd be thinking. I'd, I'm not saying I would drop many players for him at this stage, um, especially if I'm thinking about trying to get into the playoffs. But... If I was already in, or um, I had the IR spot, I definitely would would give it a punt.
2: Yeah, if there's anyone you've been you've been harboring to get you through the bye weeks, and now you don't need them anymore. I mean, you're only what you're hoping is that he comes back has a great first game, and then even then, you're still questioning whether you'd start him in the second game because who knows with John Ross, he can go off the for 40 fantasy points one week and then not have a catch the next week. So it's re- it's really tough to know. I, 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 I'd like to see him back. Life's always more fun when John Ross is on the field.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely is. And, and listen, Dalton's a competent quarterback. He's a sort of QB 17, QB 18, QB 19. Like, he's not terrible, especially with some of these backups yeah. we're dealing with at the moment. I think in <laughs> you know, QQB League, he's someone worth keeping an eye on. And uh, I think he just brings a bit more fancy relevance. I'm not as scared to have certain players in my team now, whereas I was under Finley. I was just like, I just can't start. Anyway, I dropped, um, I dropped Tyler Boyd last week in my home league. Um, and it was just because like he's just not going to do anything under Finlay. So he might be a speculative ad back, but um, I don't know. We'll see. Chargers coach Anthony Lynn announced Monday that star safety Derwin James has been designated to return. Um, this is probably too little too late for the Chargers season, but Derwin James was an all pro rookie last year. Um, it's good to have. Uh, you know special players back in the NFL whenever they're fit so I think he'd be a welcome addition to that team and hopefully he'll get some games before the end of the season
2: absolutely and it's always worth um, just keeping an eye on who the Chargers are matching up with because realistically anytime you, you you have Derwin James on the field it just changes the dynamics a little bit and the Chargers defense have actually been fairly solid in the large part of this season so Having James back just increases that. It just makes you think twice against anyone the Chargers are, are facing in terms of wide receivers and even running backs to some extent because James is so good at coming up in the box and, and doing a bit of everything.
1: I agree. I, th- I thought they were very good uh, against uh, the Chiefs in Mexico before they buy the, the defence. Uh, you know, They, they did really restricting considering the amount of short field that the Chiefs had um, to restrict them to 24 points or whatever it was it's it's pretty good going and you know they look great uh, across the line it was just unfortunately their offensive line let them down and and then rivers had a bit of a mare but yeah i think uh it's a good point you make i think definitely be interesting to see uh what he brings back well we know what he brings back and definitely twice before you do anything um It seems like this is a throwback message. I think I do at least once a season that the Eagles are party ways with Jordan Matthews again. Uh, This is the veteran receivers' third stint with Philadelphia. This one only lasted two weeks. Um, So I'm sure that Jordan Matthews will be picked up next season by the Eagles because... It's just a regular trope, Um, but it maybe is a sign that Alshon Jeffery and Nelson Aguilar might be back soon, which is, well, only a good thing if you're having to watch the, the Eagles at any point.
2: Yeah, same. If you've got Carson Wentz, this is great news for Wentz. I mean, something to watch out for with Jordan Matthews is, could he be picked up by the New England Patriots? They've had him on their roster before. They are a little bit devoid at the wide receiver position and could really do with some talent there i mean it's a long shot but and i'm dropping matthews from my roster because i'm not even sure if he ended up in new england he would be that effective but he's a guy you might still yet see on a roster somewhere this season
1: yeah i don't think it'd be new england i know he's been there before but you know i think the kill harry back to health you've got jacoby myers who i thought had a pretty good game against uh against the um the Cowboys so I don't think I mean you never know Bill Bill's always won the pool I me mean, and you've got most new there provide I, don't, I think he looks trending upwards to potentially being back this week so if those four are healthy I, I can't see a room for Matthews to to get anything but like you say you just you never know but uh, I'm, I'm glad that if Alshon Jeffrey and, and Nelson Aguilar come back it might make the um passing attack of the Eagles somewhat watchable because that Seahawks Eagles game i don't know if you watched it on on game pass but i i did and um i wish i hadn't <laughs> because it might be it might be the worst wide receiver performance from a combined both teams i've ever seen in a game ever um i've just never seen so many drops and so many bad routes run and just the plate was just, all, it was abysmal. I mean, there's no other word for it. I mean, Russell Wilson wasn't fantastic, but he was massively let down by um, DK Metcalf and Wentz. I mean, I, I, I thought Wentz's mum was going to come out and line up in the slot because he just had no one else to pass to at one point. It was just ridiculous. So uh, this could be a good sign. And they've got quite a, a nice schedule coming back. So if Alston Jeffrey, not so much Nelson Aguilar, but if you've got Jeffrey on your roster, uh, for their next five, a very, very winnable plus matchup. So uh, keep an eye on that one. Uh, yeah, the
2: the, the um, Eagles down the road, sorry, completely, completely forgot the team I was talking about. The Eagles down the road are a fantastic, fantastic play because their schedule is so light down the road. Their only challenge is the Cowboys, really. And I, the Cowboys haven't been that good. So I would absolutely be looking to to hawk on the uh hawk on the Eagles, so to speak
1: yeah well we we were having this chat weren't we in the we we're in a, a group chat for the touchdown um and for those of you that don't know ben is the head of nfl content there at the touchdown um and we were in a group chat and and we were talking about you you're convinced the cowboys are going to win the the east and i said well i can't rule out the eagles because of that schedule no matter how bad they are um so i mean it's only going to be one of those two <laughs> It's not going to be anyone else, but uh, I think that the next two weeks I think will be telling to that, and then I think they play week is it week fifteen or week sixteen? That could be the division decider.
2: I want to say week sixteen, and absolutely. So that that Um,
1: I've got an interesting stat about the uh, Cowboys
2: later on. Oh God,
1: (laughs) you'll like it. It's got numbers and everything. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) wide <laughs> receiver Tyreek Hill is on the mend uh, he played just six snaps uh, a week ago with a hamstring injury but the Chiefs are optimistic that he will return against the Raiders which is great um, the Panthers wave DB Rashawn Golden who was drafted in the third round in 2018. So Gordon had a bit of a mare on Sunday. He drew a personal foul penalty and he created a fumble, which is quite a hard thing to do for your own team uh, in Sunday's loss to the Saints. So uh, I don't think anyone's going to be in a rush to pick him up, but a DB sometimes you just uh, never know. Um, Eagles guard Brandon Brooks left Sunday's loss to the uh, Seahawks with what the team termed as an illness, but the Pro Bowl lineman later explained that he's battling with anxiety, which was quite a brave thing to to come out and admit because he didn't have to.
2: No, that's, that's interesting to hear. So it's always good when people come out and talk about mental health and stuff like that, because it, it shows, shows a widening thing on it, but not great for, for, for the team and for him and his, his current short term career.
1: Yeah. Um, and fingers crossed that, uh, the team support him and, uh, he's able to get some help with that and, Fingers crossed he's able to continue what's been a good career so far.
2: Yeah, because uh, he just signed a big contract, didn't he, as well? So hopefully yeah. hopefully nothing in there. Hopefully he's protected by that. The team are obviously aware of the situation, so I would assume there's some sort of protection for him in that contract.
1: Yeah, and they're one of the better teams in the NFL the year when it comes to looking after their players and, and doing what they can. Yeah. So, um, I'm sure he'll get all the support he needs to continue his uh, his good career. Uh, Nick Foles has been back on the field for two weeks. Um, Jaguars have been blown out in both games, but Doug Marone is saying that Nick Foles will take the field uh, on Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I guess this will be, I would say it's probably last chance saloon for, for Nick Foles, because I think if he has a bad game against uh, what's one of the worst uh, secondaries in the NFL, that, that could be curtains for Foles in, well, not, in terms of being in Jacksonville, but being in the, being the starter there,
2: yeah. If he can't look good this this weekend, then let's just let's just give up because he's not gonna he's not gonna look good at all if, if if it's not this week. So I think it's the right decision. I think they've got to run Foles down the stretch because they've got to work out in their minds is Foles the man for them. And I think they actually need to evaluate him more than they need to evaluate Minshew to some extent rest of the season because they can still draft another quarterback and start Minshew next year to, to some extent because I think we know Minshew is probably not the long-term answer, but is he the the short-term, as in can he be Blake Bortles plus if you can build a team around him the way that Bortles got them all the way to the AFC Championship game? I think we know Minshew could probably work along those lines, so I think what you have to work out is, do you have more in Foles? So I think the right thing for them to do is to keep playing Foles. it's just he's not going to provide a huge amount, but this week is your week to go and start every Jaguar you've got because that Buccaneers secondary is horrific unless they're being thrown the ball in a dirt cutter planned offense.
1: Yeah, I say don't uh, don't take last week as. Uh the normal for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, passing defense. Um, I mean, I, I've, I've started to gain a lot of respect for for Jamal Dean and he's actually a 13 pass breakups in three meaningful games, which is quite an impressive stat in its own right. Um, considering that the the leader on the team last year had six, I want to say it's six. Might be seven. Um, so it's quite a considerable leap in just three games. And um, Carlton Davis had a good game. But, you know, dirt-cutter offences, one day they'll be great, the next they'll be terrible. And uh, they certainly were. I was just looking at Foles' contract. Um, so if, if they moved away from Foles, the dead money is is really bad. So their the dead cap will be $33.8 million. Wow. they do They do have an out in 2021 so they could move away in 2021 um with a 12 and dead cat hit, which is about what they gave to folds when they re- um to portals when they released him i think his was actually maybe slightly more than that but you can pretty much swallow 20 12 and you don't want to ideally do it but yeah 33.875 is not something <laughs> you're going to swallow so unless they trade him which i can't see the market for him
2: well, you know, if Carson Wentz keeps being terrible, maybe the Eagles will want him back.
1: Oh, that would be hilarious.
2: <laughs> it would, but it's not going to happen, is it? So, as no, funny it, as it would be.
1: No, that would be quite funny. Uh, Colts tight end Eric Ebron is heading to injured reserve. So, he's having procedures done on both of his ankles, which sounds uh, pretty painful. And that means if you've got uh, Jack Doyle on your roster, like we do in our Scottish Bowl 9 team, then fire him up he should be getting a, a slight uptick in uh, production and targets moving forward
2: yeah shout out to you and i know rich king often comes on your podcast i believe he's also got a buy so definitely keep listening to five yard rush guys because they can get you into a buy in the scott fishbowl because they are just that clever um <laughs> but, i on the other hand don't take enough advice from five yard rush and i sunk and crashed and burned in the scott fishbowl so there's your lesson on this one to be fair
1: we, we've we said this again uh, we, we got a little bit lucky that McCaffrey fell to us at four um, and then which helps I got yeah
2: I got stuck with Kamara and that absolutely sunk me but what really sunk me was drafting Levy and Bell um, on a Hail Mary and uh, Antonio Brown in the third round <laughs>
1: Oh God! Yeah, that will do it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that did it.
1: <laughs> one of the most interesting stories to come out of Sunday was that Haskins, Dwayne Haskins, Washington quarterback, misses the final snap of the game uh, because he was taking selfies with fans.
2: Um, I, I just I don't know what what to say about this one. It's just absolutely kind of bizarre, but it's also it, it's a little bit non-storyish because okay, he he wasn't there; it didn't happen, but at the end of the day it didn't cost them the game someone got out there and took the snap it wasn't the end of the world it was just a little bit stupid it's hopefully something he'll learn from he's not going to get benched or anything so it's just it's just a learning point and hopefully between Case Keenum and the sort of leadership group in that team not that there's a huge amount of leadership in that team based on what we've seen this year hopefully they can just pull him back into being a little bit more sensible and we don't hear any more stories like this but it's just adding to a narrative that we are hearing about Dwayne Haskins this year where we heard stories about him not being interested. We saw that photo. Now, never take a photo out of context, but we saw that photo of him looking disinterested while Jay Gruden was talking to Case Keenum. So it's all adding up to a not very pretty picture. But, I mean, in terms of the rest of the season, I don't think there's many, many options on Washington you're starting anyway. So I don't really think, any of this has an effect on fantasy. He's going to be the starting quarterback. That's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just Washington.
1: I think it's a good thing for Washington. Um, and here's why. Controversial hot take here. They were selling tickets to the game on Sunday for $4. <laughs> it, you could buy a ticket to go and watch the Washington Redskins at FedEx Field for 4 bucks on Sunday. And I think the ownership have said to him, had a little word, you're the face of the franchise now. Let's be honest. You're not really doing it on the field, Dwayne. You you know you throw in for 150 yards. You got you know zero TDs and INT on the day. So have you really contributed? When the only offensive or the only touchdown of the game was Steve Sims who muffed the punt, picked it up, and then managed to run it in, which was Uh, interesting um and and, uh, i think they've just gone look if you can create a better buzz by taking some selfies with some fans you know we might be able to sell these tickets for ten dollars the next time we play at home so yeah that's all i can think of you know this is a wacky ownership there so maybe this was all planned
2: maybe and maybe they are just absolute geniuses but you can buy that i'm
1: not. <laughs> no i'm not either i i actually think it's quite deplorable that a man who who didn't throw a touchdown in the game is celebrating this like this is the best day of his life i'm like dude if you just contribute like 150 yards doesn't doesn't do it so uh yeah dwayne haskins disappointing um but someone who isn't disappointing is Frank Gore, the man, the legend. He achieved another milestone as he passed a Hall of Fame and all-time great Barry Sanders for third all-time on the career rushing yards list.
2: Uh, you just—you've got to love Frank Gore. He's just—he's just churned he's just away. He's—he's he's done everything. I can never think of Frank Gore without thinking of that picture of Frank Gore stood there with the lineman um, Kilgore <laughs> uh, behind him, and all the captions of uh, "Frank, you better watch out because he's coming for you." It's, it every time anyone says frank gore that's all i think about He's the th- all, third all-time rushing leader and all i can think about is a stupid picture with a man named Kilgore stood behind him
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think
1: he's i think he's brilliant and do you know what I, I loved about this moment was they stopped to acknowledge it and he's been in buffalo for nine months eight months however long he's been maybe not even that long and everybody in the ground was not just happy for him, but just they really celebrated that moment. And maybe it's just because Buffalo haven't had a lot to celebrate in the last, well, since their existence. Um, it, it, it just showed that actually they're a really cool franchise the, and the supporters, they really appreciate what they see. And when they see a Hall of Fame player um, hit a milestone, I just thought that was quite a nice moment. And what I like is they didn't overdo it. They didn't come out and give him a, a paper certificate to celebrate it. It was a short little on the sideline little nod, little wave, little applause. Um, it stopped the game for about 30 seconds. Um, it was a kind of nice little dock of the cap moment to him um, without disrupting the game, which is, you know, which is a good thing.
2: Yeah, something I love about Frank Gore is it, it's never about him. No. He, you never hear Frank coming out really and I might have missed something, but you never hear him coming out saying, I want more touches. I want to be a bigger part of this offense. He just wants to be up the team, winning, contributing and it's it's a really great thing to have and it's great it's hard for me as a new england patriots fan to to like the buffalo bills but this conversation regularly in this in that group chat i find it very hard to hate the buffalo bills they're just they're just a fun team they're like a, mm-hmm. like a slightly more dysfunctional version of the ravens to some extent in that they don't quite work as well but they're a lot of fun to watch and they they're always in games they're, they never blow anybody out it seems like and they never seem to get blown out they always seem to be in a game until the fourth quarter. And when that that crazy last hour of red zone happens, you always see Buffalo far more than you expect to. And it's always makes for a fun Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah. Unless they're playing the Dolphins. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think, and I just love their defense. And, you know, they've got some star players who will definitely be going to the pro bowl there because they've, and I just think for me, they're probably outside the new England, the best coached team. It's not the best scheme, but you look at the players, they're not the most talented. There's no one you'd immediately jump out there and say, are oh, they top five in their position in the NFL? It's just a bunch of guys who are really good, decent cultures, good. Um, and we, we know so many teams that have such wretched culture and, you know sean mcdermott's building something there and i think he, he should be applauded and i think he'd be in the consideration for coach that year i don't think he wins it but i think he should be in the consideration uh for what he's doing there because buffalo could buffalo could be a 10 win team this year
2: oh yeah they absolutely could i mean it's crazy to think that actually they're semi the third seed in yeah. the afc like i was writing i'm writing a I'm going to write the rest of the the year on the touchdown. I'm going to do a playoff kind of picture thing for AFC and NFC and just break it down. And I was writing, it, I was thinking, we're talking about the Patriots and the Ravens for the number one seed. Like it's, and not like a, it's it's a sure thing that it's those two that are competing for the number one seed. And we're completely writing off the fact that the Buffalo Bills are only two games behind the Patriots, and could even steal the division. Could it, I mean if the Ravens and the Patriots have a, a couple of nightmares. They, they could conceivably even be the number one seed. How incredible would that be if the AFC Championship game was played in Buffalo? Like, oh. No one would have seen it coming. It's, not, it's unlikely to happen. They've got a really hard four games. But the fact that at this point in the season, they are in it is A, a testament to how bad the AFC is. Because mm. they have beaten up on some really terrible teams this year. And B, just how well coached they are. Because as someone pointed out to me today... Tell me what their star names are. Tell me the names of people that you look at on that lineup and go, oh my God, he is amazing. I mean, you've got the rookies, you've got Josh Allen. Outside of that, you've got a load of guys that you know the names of them, but you don't pick them on, on a Madden franchise draft as one of your first picks. They, they are just solid players that produce in a role, and it's so much fun to watch. And... I love Buffalo, but I think we've spent far too long talking about the Buffalo Bills.
1: <laughs> well, you say that, I am going to give you a name that I think is the top five in position, and that's Tradavius White. I think he oh, had an absolutely um, outstanding year. And he proved it again on Sunday. Another another great performance. And he is a star a star cornerback in this league. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind about it.
2: Absolutely. And Michael Hyde, to some extent as well. Not, not to the same, so to speak, but... He is also a name that we that you know and that has really impressed on that back end and came up with a massive play in that Dolphins game to just seal it for them at the end there. So they do have they do have good names, but they just you know they're they're just not they're not household names so to speak. But White absolutely deserves to be mentioned in a similar breath to the Gilmore's and people like that in 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 this league right now.
1: Uh yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think it's it's exciting time to be a Bills fan, and you know I just really hope we get a snowmageddon up there again uh, for one of their games as well. That'd be amazing. Oh, um, wouldn't
2: that be fun if it was the AFC Championship game as well? Like that would uh, be. Just I so couldn't wait!
1: That'd be it. That'd be the new snowball. Um, <laughs> next one up is uh, is Ryan Griffin. Ryan Griffin has been re-upped by uh, Gang Green for the foreseeable future. You got a three-year, ten-point-eight million-dollar extension, which is just incredible that he was almost a laughing stock at the start of the season and now he's getting touchdowns and uh it's someone that's contributing and i mean well done him for for getting a contract
2: yeah i mean it's an incredible story he really struggled with the houston texans it was quite quite embarrassing at times for him because he just wasn't producing at all and I personally didn't expect anything from him, but now every week I look at him as a potential touchdown scorer. He he's done what we all thought Chris Herndon would do, and we all were quite high on Chris Herndon relatively coming into the year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, we all were. Stocks was, stocks was on him last year, and he was a big big fan of Chris Herndon. But Chris Herndon looks like his his, his future with the Jets is is finished, which is quite a, a scary thought because of how good he is. But. There you go. Um, something I don't want to spend too much time on because it's such an ugly incident in football is Miles Garrett's suspension was upheld. Um, Miles Pouncey's was uh, reduced, and Miles Garrett threw the racial tag and said that there was a racial slur dropped by Mason Rudolph. Uh, the NFL found no uh, evidence of this at all in the appeal, and so Miles Garrett is now still indefinitely suspended, which is. Slightly strange, as we talked about last week, because according to the CBA, you can't have a indefinite suspension. There has to be a time frame on it, and we were under the understanding that that was why the Browns were appealing. It wasn't that they were trying to get him off the hook, but that appears not to have been the case. And uh, yeah, it's just an ugly, an ugly chapter, and it will all come to a head this week when they play each other at one o'clock on Sunday, or should I say yeah. six o'clock here?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think. um, I think the best but the best phrasing I've heard of it all, all week was Bill Simmons on his podcast this week that went, the Miles Garrett incident is one of the only things that we've ever had in the world of football where the whole of the internet went, yeah, I'm not going to pass comment on this one. I'm just going to leave it and move on.
1: Yeah, let's talk about something that's more fun. Let's talk about Vita Ve. Vita made history on uh, Sunday by uh, catching a touchdown from Jameis Winston. Which uh, at 347 pounds, Vita V is now the heaviest player in the NFL to catch a touchdown, and he has surpassed uh, John Ogden, who is at three four five, and William Fridge Perry at three three five, as the only players above 330 pounds to score a touchdown in the NFL.
2: It's yeah, it, it's just fun. We we've seen him line up in the backfield a few times. We've seen big guys line up there before, but it's. It's it's not often we saw. Did we see Ontario play? Throw a touchdown the other year where he jumped like did a jump pass. That was that was quite good fun. I I, I you just love seeing a big guy in the backfield. It always makes for fun. The only thing I will say just to just to bring it down to you know the uh, the 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 twenty nineteen way of thinking is I'm surprised we're allowed to class heaviest touchdowns anymore.
1: <laughs> well he's an athlete though like he's incredible uh at his movement and what he does so um really i i wouldn't be surprised if he gets a running back carry at like the goal line or something <laughs> in the next couple well, of weeks i mean
2: all of these guys are absolutely incredible the fact yeah. that they can move the way they do at that side is just testament to the work they they do it's just it's just absolutely incredible it's watching those big guys is my favorite part of the combine like everyone loves the running backs and the wide receivers running fast but uh, i can watch the olympics and see skinny guys run fast but to watch these defensive tackles and offensive linemen do what they do is just it's just remarkable to me and it's always great when they get a chance to get in the end zone we had an offensive tackle touchdown this week we had a defensive tackle and we had a keg stand when um, Quinton Nelson ne- Quentin Nelson got in the end zone it was called back but just for the celebration alone it should have been allowed to stand
1: I agree love Quinton Nelson that was an amazing moment that was robbed from from all of us um <laughs> right uh starts it so uh Every week, put starts its column out. Uh, normally, in the podcast, I spend quite a bit of time um, talking about all of these. But with the Look Ahead podcast, which we, which I'm going to do over the next couple of days, and I'm going to talk about some of these, um, and then also the the column that comes out on Friday, um, I'm going to just quickly go through. Um, these are early starts; I haven't quite finished my rankings, so um, th- these are players that for me are must starts this week. Um, so at quarterback, I've got Kyler Murray against the Rams. Uh, especially with how bad they are at the moment. I think it's it's open season. Um, and I've gone Kirk Cousins against the Seahawks because I think uh, Cousins 1 is on a bit of a roll and he's sort of defying all these uh, preconceptions that we have of him. But I also think Seattle's D is is good, but it's not great. What do you think?
2: I like both of them. I, yeah, I'd be interested to see for the Rams who Jalen Ramsey takes out of the game. I noticed, and they commented a few times on the commentary, that he was lining up over Mark Andrews, which explains why Hollywood Brown had such a good game. Mm. I kind of have, of the opinion that Kyler Murray's going to have four of his options on every play. It's just going to be the one that Jalen Ramsey is shadowing that's, that's not going to be there. So he's going to have a great day. Kirk Cousins, definitely interesting. They're sneaky one that I've just put in my DFS column for Thanksgiving is Mitchell Trubisky. He's had two 20-point fantasy games on DraftKings in the last three weeks. One of those was against the Detroit Lions. He faces a Detroit Lions team that, to phrase it bluntly, sucks Mm -hmm. defensively at home especially. And if you feel brave slash stupid slash just want to make Thanksgiving a little bit more fun at half past five on Thursday afternoon, then stick Mitchell Trubisky in there and just have a laugh at yourself and everybody laughing at Mitchell Trubisky. It does make life more entertaining when you have a reason to get frustrated with Mitchell Trubisky.
1: Yeah, I'm not anti to play. I know it was bad against the the Giants, but um, I think he's, he's someone that has a lot to prove. And um, I was saying yesterday um, that I like guys on incentivized contracts. um, And I add to that, I like guys who, are at that point of their career where they've got to prove something because, all right, it won't always pan out, but there's no... You see it every year you've got these guys who are, who are on a prove-it deal or people who or players who are on the last year of their uh, contract heading into free agency have monster years, and that's because they know they have to come out and do everything they can to get that next payday or keep their job, and that is like... Um, a big, big thing and I think Mitchell Trubisky knows now he's got to in the next five games convince the hierarchy that he's the guy next year.
2: Absolutely and you, a bad quarterback against a bad defense is usually gold for fancy points, whatever. So, mm. you usually get a good return. I mean, he had it looked ugly against the Giants and yet he still returned 20, 20 points if you were playing on DraftKings. So, I mean, what, what do you do with that? You just, you just keep rolling him out there against these bad defenses and hope that he, he, he keeps performing. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to start him in a couple of DFS lineups. I don't fortunately own him in any leagues of substance, so I don't have to suffer that. But mm. if you, if you are in a two quarterback league and you are suffering with injuries, You could do worse than Trubisky this week.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Running backs this week, I've gone with Todd Gurley against Arizona. I just think as bad. And and people will see what he did on Monday Night Football. And people will see what he did a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think in games where you would expect the the Rams to potentially win the game uh, and to be strong on offense, they're going to give the ball to Gurley. Um, And I'm not saying he's going to have a 20-touch day, but I think he could get close to that and i think he gets in the end zone i mean this this arizona defense can't stop the run it can't stop the pass um i would tell you to start a rams tight end but um i wouldn't start higby (laughs) because Everett's injured and higby has not done anything to convince anybody that he can do much as a tight end so uh i'd be one i'd probably lay away from unless you're absolutely desperate but Gurley this week I think is a, is a smart play, and then I like Philip Lindsay against the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers had a great a great game on defense uh, against the, the Chiefs, but um, we know that Brandon Allen isn't a great quarterback, and we know that he's going to struggle putting the ball in the air. Um, you take uh, Cortland Sutton out of the game, like Tre'Davious White did uh, on um, on Sunday, and then you basically you are just left running the ball. So um, the other thing is I mentioned on last week's Look Ahead podcast that. Lindsay hasn't been getting many uh, receptions, but he had uh, 18% of the snap share on on Sunday, so, um, or 80% of the catches, or so targets even. Let's get that one right and eventually. It was in there. Um, so I like Gurley and I like Lindsay this week. I think Lindsay's going to have some good volume, and Royce Freeman is no longer a thing in that backfield.
2: No, sadly, because I have a few Royce Freeman shares. But um, I was impressed with Todd Gurley on a couple of early runs on Monday Night Football. I really thought a couple of times he. He burst through the line, and I thought, "Oh, here we go! This is we're actually going to have a contest here." And I mean, this is as someone who, who's just angry at himself that he didn't follow his gut and investors' life savings and the Rams and the Ravens this week minus three because that was the most gimme line of the year of the year. Um, I think Gurley he's still talented, still there. The problem is defenses just work out fairly quickly. Yeah, Jared Goff isn't going to beat us, and they stack the box, and that's pretty much what it felt like the Ravens did in the first half of game monday they just loaded everybody at the line and said go on then beat us jared
1: yeah (laughs) i mean that's that's how you beat the rams if anyone wants to know how you beat the rams you just stop them running you score a few early you force jared to just get the ball in his hands 37 40 50 times and you know you're going to win the game it's (laughs) it's quite easy really when you do it on paper um (laughs) uh wide receiver uh, Calvin Ridley have gone for against the Saints whereas even though it's what could be construed as an, a negative matchup that Saints defense is giving up quite a bit of points and Julio Jones isn't going to be 100% and then I've got DeeDee Dee Westbrook because why wouldn't you fire up a wide receiver too against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary as we've talked about
2: Yeah, Calvin Ridley, I'm just pu- just pulling it up actually Here's, here are his games against the New Orleans Saints in his career 8 targets, 7 receptions, 146 yards and 3 touchdowns Thanksgiving last year 13 targets 8 receptions 93 yards and a touchdown I believe he also had a fumble in that game which actually was fairly costly and it was a game that while the score was 31-17 it was actually a game that Atlanta were really in and I was they they coughed the ball up a couple of times this year he he had a little bit of a tougher game against the Saints five targets, three receptions, 28 yards, but 19-yard rush bolstered those fantasy points a little bit. Mm. You almost want Julio Jones to be active, but not quite there, because if Mm. he's active, he's going to draw double teams. It's going to help Ridley. I really think this is going to be a game that we just see go wild at some point, because these two teams hate each other, and the Falcons are not going to lay down to the Saints. The Saints are embarrassed about what happened to them two weeks ago. Three weeks ago, they are going to they're going to try and they're going to try and kick ass, basically. And both teams are going to put up a ton of points. I think so. I want as many people in that game Thursday night as I can get.
1: Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I think you know Ridley's coming off a, a good game, uh, a yeah, good game against the Buccaneers. Um, I do think Julio will be out there Sunday. Um, I really do. He's this isn't a game he will want to miss. Um, it's an AC joint injury uh, Thursday. Even that's a good point.
2: <laughs> um, and that's the other thing as well. That's the other thing as well. People usually avoid. Thursday night football, Thanksgiving throws the wolves out. The, mm. the for some reason, Thanksgiving games, especially that late night one, tend to have a little bit more to them. And we saw last year these two teams did it. They both done it last year. This Thanksgiving game in the evening, they know how to play these games. They they play indoors, which always helps as well. So don't don't shy away on Thanksgiving. The, the you can count on three things: the Lions game will be rubbish and the Lions will disappoint you. The Cowboys game probably won't be that entertaining, but it's the Cowboys so everybody will watch it and usually the evening game is pretty fun whether it's butt fumbles or um, Mm -hmm. uh, Falcons versus Saints trying to kick each other's heads in on the field something usually fun happens
1: yeah definitely Um, moving quickly through the sits uh, I'm sitting this week uh, Jimmy Garoppolo against the Ravens and Baker Mayfield against the Steelers
2: yeah absolutely especially Garoppolo I just uh, I, I want this game to be close just so that we, we all have some hope that it isn't just going to be a Ravens procession to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure it's going to be.
1: No. And, and do you know why? Even if it is, I, I still think that the Ravens are proving that they you can't throw at them downfield. So it's going to be a lot of short passes. It'd be a lot to Kittle. I think Kittle's going to be the water carrier in this game. Um, but I still don't see a lot of routes where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get. The three four touchdown game um, that we might have seen over the last couple of weeks, I think they 'll establish the run a bit more if, and that 's really the only way I think you can beat the Ravens is with that solid little one two puncher uh, at, at the running back and then just sort of passing just to keep the run honest
2: um, at some that, point somebody 's going to break a big play on them because you can 't zero blitz and do all of that kind of stuff that they they do that they, we saw them do last night we, uh, there last night Monday night, whatever night we, we are talking yeah. about. And then they did it against the Patriots a lot. And you can't do that successfully without sometimes giving up a big play. And so far, they have done it extremely successfully. So I do think we are going to see at at least somebody make some plays. And I think there's enough talented players on the 49ers that somebody is going to get to them and Garoppolo is going to have a big play. But generally, I don't think it's going to be consistent big plays. It's going to be one or two here and then a lot of dink and dunk.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Running Max, uh, Carlos Hyde against the Patriots for pretty obvious reasons, <laughs> and Joe Mixon against the Jets, not just because the Jets are very good at stopping the run, but also as we mentioned with Andy Dalton, I think he's going to get less opportunities to run the ball um, coming into Sunday uh, in these three games prior to Sunday. You know, over half of his run, uh, half half his rushing yards have come in the last three games um, prior to Sunday for the season. So. Um, it's not a big shock for me that his production will go down and then he's going into a good uh, Jets D who have been terrorising teams, especially bad teams as of late. So uh, I don't fancy Joe Mixon to have any part of uh, success on Sunday.
2: Yeah, the Jets have been really impressive lately. I'm so impressed with them. I I was all in on Darnold at the start of the year and I'm really pleased I was now. It's just a bit late to most of my fantasy teams that have him. We're going to see a lot of Carlos Hyde, I think, this week. We spoke a lot about how I thought we'd see a lot of Sonny Michel last week. The Patriots are going to try and take DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller away. They're going to make Deshaun Watson beat them with either the tight ends, um, Kenny Stills or, or Carlos Hyde. I think we're going to see a lot of Carlos Hyde because I don't think the Patriots are going to get up enough where the Texans think they have to go crazy. But I don't think the results are going to be very good from what we see from Carlos Hyde. I think it's going to be a lot of two, three-yard runs. But I think the Patriots are going to, are going to leave the box empty and say, go on then, try and run it up the middle on us. I, I really do. I just don't know how successful it's going to be. I'm sitting him, but I'm not going to be surprised if a, a good day comes out of it.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. The final two sits this week is Emmanuel Sanders against Baltimore. Um, one, he's still carrying a little bit of a knock and he's not quite getting the same separation he was getting in his early days with the 49ers. Uh, and uh, then you've got you know the treatment he's been getting or the, the Baltimore been doing at the moment. So yeah, I just think it's... Yeah, it's something I would avoid. And then Mike Williams against Denver, and Denver got pretty good pass coverage. Uh, they were top sixty against the pass. Um, and Mike Williams, he hasn't really done it this year. He's not found the end zone um, as often as he did last year. We knew there was going to be some touchdown regression baked in, but he's not getting the yardage. And you know he he could perceivably go four for fifty in this game, but that's not really going to get you get you to where you need to get to.
2: No, absolutely. I agree with both of these. Mike Williams is, is touchdown or bust, really. It, 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 I've never seen a, I've never seen an offence rely on the jump ball as much as the Chargers do. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's either Keenan Allen or Austin Eckler in a turner's face or it's a jump ball. It's bizarre. Sanders, I really think that the 49ers are going to use him as much as they, they need to to get results. But for the large part, I think they're, they, they're resting him. They know they need him in the playoffs. They're just stuck in this position where they really need the Seahawks to to trip up so that they can lock up the number one seed. Well, if not the number one seed, but the division, but I, it's just, it's such a tough situation. Sanders is so good and they need him for the playoffs. And to me, that's more important. And I think they might make the decision that he's just not going to see a huge amount of the ball, especially with Kittle
0: back.
1: Yeah, I agree. So uh, this is a part of the show, Ben, where, because you've come on gracefully last minute is to give you an opportunity to carve out a little bit of the show for yourself. So the show notes at this point say a segment for Ben uh, for whatever he wants to talk about, FF-related. So the floor is yours. I'm happy to chime in with whatever.
2: Yeah, I read this bit of the notes and had a mild heart attack because <laughs> I, I, I didn't, couldn't really think. Most of what I write about now is DFS, and while I play a lot of redraft leagues, I, I'm quite lazy, as you probably will have noticed if you've ever seen me in the listener leagues, is I, I don't really do... Fab and Wave Wire. I just kind of pick up the scraps when everyone else has finished, and it it sort of worked for me in most of my leagues this year. I don't know quite how. It's actually been the year I've paid the least attention with two small children, and somehow I'm doing more successfully this year than I have in the last couple of years. But what I want to talk about is looking ahead and 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 planning ahead. I I got a little bit cocky in one of my leagues. I was eight and two, and I'm now eight and four because I started thinking about the playoffs. And um, what I want to say to you guys is is not to start getting ahead of yourself don't start picking up obscure tight ends you have a good three game stretch in the playoffs because you need to get there first and you need to get there with as high a seed as possible a lot of a lot of deeper leagues now have six six team playoffs so you've got that bye week and to some extent the bye is obviously not that important but just not having to play three playoff weeks not having to have that extra luck of one one more week is such an advantage it is worth getting that extra spot and just getting one week off, reducing your chance that your quarterback has a bad week, your running back has a bad week, something like that. I, I don't like sacrificing depth to try and plan too far ahead. It doesn't it doesn't work out very well, usually. And I'd much rather you try and keep a couple of lottery ticket running backs. Let's say you've got Rashad Penny. So you might have been thinking about dropping Rashad Penny. But with the way Chris Carson's fumbling the ball you might need him and the same goes for any running back like i've been picking up backup tony pollard in a lot of places because he's shown he's a very good running back but he's he might not get an opportunity now but he might do in a couple of weeks time so i just think you're better off using your slots for lottery tickets at key positions than you are thinking about trying to take advantage of soft matchups at the quarterback and tight end position in positions that are inherently quite variable anyway
1: I, I, yeah absolutely I I think Tony Pollard believe it or not I think he's going to get a big share of that offense in the next couple of weeks because for me he's the better runner <laughs> he's looked better than Zeke this year in, in large parts and he breaks off 100 yard games even when Zeke is there so I I think you definitely want part of that lottery ticket Um, same with someone like Alexander Matheson Dalvin Cook has Uh, done what I thought was impossible and stayed fit for an entire season but there's still five weeks to go Um, and if Darwin Cook follows the trend he has done the last few seasons and listen I don't wish anybody uh, injury or anybody and I I hope it doesn't happen but statistically it shows year on year that he gets hurt so you'd be wise to have Alexander Matheson I looked uh, the other day on yesterday on ESPN he's still only owned in 18% of leagues on ESPN which is just mad I don't know why yeah it's
2: crazy it's Uh the same with Jamal Williams I've seen him bouncing in and out of waiver wires and that's absolutely insane to me because Aaron Jones is so inconsistent he's great he's great when he gets going but he's so inconsistent that you're better off just loading your bench with those guys rather than, than these lottery ticket like these not lottery tickets but these look ahead type guys I'm actually coming around to the idea of using like a six man bench five running backs and one wide receiver and then just having that fifth running back spot Kind of a cycle spot when I need a quarterback or a tight end on my my roster, I, I try and pick the running back I think is least likely to get picked up that week. Sod's law—that's always the week if the starter gets injured and mm-hmm. you lose him on waivers. But I'm really of the c- conclusion that the running back position is so volatile, whereas the wide receiver position is is so middle of the road outside of the top guys, you can kind of pick up and pluck in anybody kind of on a Sunday afternoon. But the running back position—it's very hard when you look at the landscape. To go, uh, you know what, I think I'll start Quadre Oleson this week, just in the hope he gets a one-yard touchdown. Yeah. When you start doing that, you start getting desperate, whereas you're looking at Darius Slayton week in, week out, and you're thinking, this guy could score you two touchdowns. Like He's on the wave wire most weeks. Yeah, absolutely. I, I,
1: I, and, and that's what we talk about. You look at last season, and I, I've said this time and time and time again on this podcast, You know, Damian Williams, uh, CJ Anderson, Jamal Williams – Those three players, CJ Anderson, won so many people. I picked up in three leagues last year, I picked up Derek Henry off waivers. That's (laughs) insane. Yeah, because everyone had enough of his inconsistent, inconsistent. And then I picked him up, and then it's like, ah, hello, 240-yard game against Jacksonville. Thanks for the title. And that is what happens. I don't think you can drop. If you have a running back, even if they're off form, If they start in the NFL, they should not be dropped under any circumstances.
2: I want to find the stat about Derek Henry that I saw today in one of the articles on the touchdown that was written. I was editing it and I was absolutely flabbergasted by this. I'm just going to pull it up. I need to find the picture of him. Um, Here are Henry's results in games played on or after the 10th of November since 2017. 1,493 yards, 16 touchdowns, and an average of 5.7 yards per carry that's just insane that works out about 12 games he's averaging over 100 yards per game averaging over a touchdown per game and he's just killing teams because all these defenses are worn down and Derek mm. Henry's running wild it's absolutely fantastic and if you get a fresh running back I know Henry's not exactly fresh at this point in the year but he's a big guy so he doesn't wear down easily but if you get a fresh running back coming in in weeks 15 16 They're going to absolutely light up the league. You saw CJ Anderson do it, and he's not the most talented guy. And, I mean, we've seen how Damian Williams has struggled this year. If you get a guy that's just got a bit of elusiveness, a bit of freshness in his legs, he's he's going to absolutely drive people nuts down the stretch. So it's always worth going out and picking up handcuffed guys in good offences. That's the key as well. Mm. Make sure you look for guys that are in offences where running backs have prospered. So you said Alexander Madison. He's a great example because Dalvin Cook has shown what a running back can do in that offense. And I mean, if you want to see what Alexander Madison's got, I know it's the Redskins, but just go find the tape from that Thursday night football. It was called back for penalty, the play. Mm-hmm. But my God, he carried, I think at 1.4 defenders with him and still was moving forward faster than anybody else on the field, it felt like. So he is an absolute beast. And if he carries the ball, he's going to get people. Go and get guys like that. They're who will win you your playoffs. Not Ryan Griffin's a bad example because he's very good, but not some obscure third tight end on the Atlanta Falcons with Austin Hooper injured because he's got a nice matchup, something like that. It's these running backs that come in and and kill in the final couple of weeks. They're the guys that win you fantasy championships and for some people win a lot of money.
1: Um, Yeah, couldn't agree more. And then when you get injuries and then there's an opening, you've just got to invest in. in, Jonathan Williams was someone that people were starting to grab his ownership is still under 30 percent before this waiver wire run on espn which was crazy and then to put that up you looked at actually how many people started him last week it was like four percent and i i i've said in the waiver wire column on on the touchdown and and on our site um that i can understand why people didn't start him because the waiver wire this year has burned all you've picked up wayne gorman and he did all right for one game and then didn't do anything. Um, We've picked up all these... You know, you pick up all these running backs. Uh, Daryl Williams, you know, kind of came in, did something for like half a game, and then didn't do anything else. And you know, we followed this trend, and we Ty Johnson, um, I'm just trying uh, Brian Hill, all examples of. And I guess <laughs> that people were just a little bit worried that oh, this you know Jonathan Williams, but it doesn't matter. The process is the process. Just because you get burned by the process once or twice or three times, it doesn't make the process wrong. It just means that sometimes it doesn't correlate. But Jonathan Williams was nailed on for me to get 100 yards against the, the Texans. And, and, and he definitely did. You know, Jacoby Brissett still isn't 100%. And Jonathan Williams is a must-start this week. I haven't done my rankings yet, but I'd assume he's in RB2 territory for me. I'd be really surprised if he wasn't because of you know he's going to get the volume. I mean, he's
2: and again, it comes energy. back to the offense, as you know, are good. Yeah. Um, Wayne Gorman, it... His offense was hidden a little bit because Saquon Barkley makes that offense look good. But when you look at Saquon Barkley's numbers this year, you actually realize that even he's struggling. So Wayne Goldman was never going to have a huge amount of success. He was always going to be touchdown dependent. Brian Hill, well, I was down down on Devonta Freeman as anyone. And frankly, he's been embarrassing most of the times I've seen him. And the Atlanta Falcons can't decide which of their 55 million running backs they seem to pull out of thin air. They're going to have run the ball on the goal line. So how can you pick Brian Hill when you don't know if he's going to get the goal line carries or not? It's, it's that kind of thing. You need to think when you go to the waiver wire, does this offence like to run the ball? Colts, check. Yeah, they absolutely do. Do they commit to one guy? Absolutely they've committed to Marlon Mack this year. They have shown no interest in Wilkins or Hines carrying the ball a lot. I mean, Hines looks explosive when he carries the ball, but there's a reason they don't give him the ball more than they do. So you're always looking for guys like that. You you got to weigh up opportunity, and not just shy away because a couple of bad, bad experiences. You need to look at the bigger picture.
1: Yeah, exactly. It, it's the same thing. And I keep relating, and a lot of people do fancy fo uh, fancy football to poker. That you know you can have pocket aces, and you might only win with pocket aces sixty something percent of the time, seventy something percent of the time pre flop, um, depending on circumstances, uh, how many people are at the table, etc. But you're never ever going to get a situation um, where you're going to fold pocket aces preflop. You're just not. You're always going to play the percentages you have the best hand and you're going to lose with that hand frequently, not more often than not, but frequently it will fail. And fantasy football's the same. You can follow the process, you can follow the advice that these analysts are giving you. They're giving you advice based on algorithms, based on knowledge and experience. They're going to be wrong. We're wrong. We're wrong. So many times, you know. I mean, if you
2: if you hit sixty percent on fantasy football, you're having a successful year. It's a long lot like poker. It's a lot like the lines of betting. If you're getting a sixty percent success rate on your calls for starts, it you're actually doing really well. I know that sounds mediocre, but you you go and point me to an expert that is consistently seventy five percent. You go and point me anybody that's consistently seventy five percent. If they are hitting 75%, even, even wins and losses, it's probably because they've got a bit lucky or they've nailed a draft. It's not because they're making the right decisions each week. There's nothing I hate more than setting flipping lineups. It's the biggest luck factor of fantasy football that I, I know. It's so frustrating and you have to take it all into account and you have to accept sometimes you were wrong, but you followed the right process
1: yeah and and that is true and and you're right and that's why you're the biggest fan of uh, best ball plus that i know
2: oh absolutely i can't can't yeah that we could go on all day that should have been my point best ball plus should have been my point why did i not (laughs) think of that until this point in the show i think just to put it out there for guys that think get the same frustration in setting lineups as me I absolutely want a fantasy league where every week I can do waivers, I can do trades. I don't want a complete best ball league. I don't want to just be restricted to the guys I drafted. I want a bit of everything. But I also want someone else to set my lineup for me because it He's me off having to set my lineup every week because I get it wrong every single week.
1: <laughs> well, let's do it. We'll, we'll find a platform that will support it, and we'll we will do a best ball plus listener league or two or whatever, uh, and we'll work it out. By the way, in that listener league that we do, I'm going to make a proposal to you right now, and that we don't have a um, we turn the tight end spot into a wide receiver slash tight end spot.
2: Oh, I like that. I really like anything don't. Anything that negates tight
1: ends. I just, am, I'm done with tight ends. Um, uh, there just isn't, uh, there isn't the value to draft the tight ends. There just isn't. Every year, it's, I'm just not going to draft tight end. I'm just not going to draft. Nobody can convince me that there is value in drafting a tight end high because, for, I mean, if, there is no doubt that Travis Kelsey will be the tight end one this year, and he's going to win that margin by. Thirty, maybe forty points. So what is three game, three points a game better than the guy who's going to be second, which will either be uh,
2: Mark Andrews or Darren Waller? Maybe. Yeah, and, he, and even then he's he's been frustrating some weeks. I mean, yeah, he's not a league winner. He, no, he's 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 frustrated some weeks. He'll have he'll have cost you a, a few games this year with his performance compared to your opponents' tight ends. So go back and look at it. it. If he hasn't, it's only because your opponents started really mediocre options, but you could pick up Darren Waller, um, Mark Andrews, Austin Hooper in the last few rounds. And I was a big fan of Jared Cook. And I kind of hate the fact that I've got Jared Cook in so many leagues because I think of all the extra lottery ticket running backs I could have had at those slots.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know, the great thing about moving it into a tight end slash wide receiver slot is there is still value in people like Kelsey and people like uh, Kittle um, in drafting them at, a reasonable level, not the third round, but the sixth round or seventh round. Because they still got value as a wide receiver and they will still get valuable points. But they should just be for the for the position that they are because it doesn't really appreciate Kelsey having Kelsey everyone goes, oh he's a league winner in that position. You're gonna have so many extra points per position uh, advantage. It just doesn't transpire. Every year people give me this argument and every year it doesn't transpire. It doesn't stack up. Um, yeah, Blanc, the, the days the of are gone.
2: The counter-argument to that will be, and I do understand this, is, that, uh, is, is what you play fantasy for. Now, I, I don't particularly care for this. It, doesn't, it does not fuss me in the slightest. But I know a lot of people are very obsessed with fantasy replicating what you see on the field in terms of the tight end is a relatively important position. For, for teams, such as you see Mark Andrews, you see Darren Waller, you see what Gronk did. However, what you can't replicate in fantasy football is blocking. And that's what a lot of these guys bring to the table. They, they're the closest thing to an offensive line than we have. So why put an, a position that makes your game on a weekly basis something you can't control more of a lottery ticket? I, I have no no love for this get it as close to the game as you can because if I'm a quarterback in a game or I'm a GM in a game I can sign a tight end and tell my quarterback to throw him the ball because he's very good if I draft a tight end I can't tell my quarterback to throw him the ball my quarterback doesn't care who my tight end is you can't control that stuff so just make a game you want this game to be skill-based as possible and a tight end position is not a skill-based position it's a luck-based position
1: yeah it it really is and
2: um,
1: I wouldn't even say it's just about can your tight end play 16 games now because they're so they just all fall apart it, this is well, look
2: Eric
1: yeah exactly and he's not someone that's been injury prone that much in his career but we could go on all night best ball plus leagues with tight ends that are tight end flex league, uh, with wide receivers um, and then we'll sort this position out and no one has to start people like uh, Ryan Griffin or Darren Fells anymore <laughs>
2: Yeah, I quite like I quite like leagues that are like one QB, one running back, one wide receiver, and then just a load of flexes because mm. that's how teams like the Ravens play the game. They put some some games three three running backs, some games three tight ends. Sometimes they'll have two or three running backs on the field. You want you, you, if you want to replicate what the NFL does, the NFL is multiple now, so why not just have the three key positions, which are quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and then just go a bit wild after that. It's a bit of fun.
1: I I, I think you have to have two QBs. I just think you do because there's no merit in a one QB league.
2: There is well, and, also, and also it's a matter of time until NFL teams start lining up two QBs regularly. So yeah. um, that's the next, that's the next differentiator in the, in the league. And people have been saying it for years is, Oh my God, you imagine lining Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson up in the backfield, just <laughs> just with Mark with Mark Ingram. You just imagine the chaos that's going to ensue on the defense. It's, it's unmatchable in to some extent, the, the problem, the problem is obviously contracts and stuff like that, but man, that would be a lot of fun to watch. And yeah, I think I, when I say flex, I'm thinking at least one of those positions probably has to be super flex to make yeah, it work.
1: Definitely. We're on the same page. I love it. We're going to create this league. It's going to be amazing. Uh, we'll let you know when it's ready. Uh, Rush Nation. Right quick uh quick delve into the streets uh most people's favorite segment of the week uh uh, i've done some digging into some interesting stats hopefully you'll like some of these ben uh i know you're a stats guy and i mentioned uh, i've got one about jason garrett so uh, I'll get to that in a second, and the Cowboys. So, Jameis Winston has a chance to lead the NFL in touchdown passes and interceptions. It has happened before. Uh, Packers' Lynn Dickey led the league with 32 touchdowns and 29 interceptions in 1983. Drew Brees led the NFL with 43 touchdowns in 2012, and he had 19 interceptions. And Brian Sype tied for the lead with... 28 touchdowns in 1979 but he also had 26 INTs so what will be interesting is Winston could be the first guy to lead the league in yards touchdowns and INTs.
2: Wow that would be quite cool now I'm going to give you a James Winston stat of my own because I am not a James Winston person Um really? this becomes quite evident quite regularly in our in our chats and I think it drives Cy um, absolutely insane Oh, no, no. Where's it gone? Come on. Um, I posted this in Slack the other day, but you don't look at Slack enough to, make, to have made this worthwhile. Um, so, Jameis Winston has a chance to lead the league in interceptions in the first five years of his career. Um, most giveaways in the first five years, Jake Plummer, 112. Peyton Manning, 111. Now, that's a name that gives you hope for Jameis Winston. Drew Bledsoe, 106. Kerry Collins, 102. Jameis, Ninety-eight. It was prior to this weekend. I was he say had it's six games. He had six games to beat. Plummer. He's now up to 100. He needs 12 in the next five games. Seems very doable. Seemed a lot of fun, and it's something I'm rooting for. But the more I hear stats about Bruce Arians' offense, and the more I see names like Peyton Manning on the leading giveaways, the more I think. I'm starting to think, oh my God, just stick with Jameis because what are you going to find better in the draft than what you've kind of got? Like Carson Palmer led the league in interceptions with Bruce Arians <laughs> in his first year and then he turned into a quarterback that could lead them to Super Bowls kind of level. So I, I'm kind of now very split. I think Jameis Winston is the most indecisive, at times most annoying quarterback I ever watch. He's hilarious to watch but if I was a Bucks fan I'd want to kill him. But um, I, I said this
1: a few weeks ago and that it, 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 I said this a few weeks ago with Winston that I'm not saying he's going to win you a Super Bowl. I'm saying he's a quarterback that will probably get you to the playoffs, but he won't win you the four games in a row that you would need to win the Super Bowl. However, when you, when you have so many holes, like the Buccaneers team has drafting a qb now doesn't make sense because you need to fill the offensive line you need to fill the defensive line you need to get secondary veterans in and you need them to blood so you might as well just put winston on the tag go through next year and then you evaluate where you are and you kick the can down the cap and you just pay it because who, who's your alternative andy dalton who's going to be arguably worse and you know you, you're going to save oh. A fraction of money, maybe you save ten million, which isn 't insignificant, but w- if you 're not going to win it all next year, the cap is irrelevant it 's about getting the right pieces in place
2: to some extent, but the rolling over of the cap does change that a little bit i know it 's a complicated rule, and you have to spend a certain yeah. amount within a, in a period but so however, the way I kind of agree is that we saw Peyton Manning win a Super Bowl the other year when he wasn 't at his best we 've seen Joe Flacco win a, um, a Super Bowl when he's definitely not among the top men. If you build talent around them, fine, they can win it. And I do think Jameis can, if that makes sense, but he needs to not have the offense on him all the time. One thing I found that was very interesting is Richard King wrote an article for Rotoballer looking at offensive lines. Jameis's offensive line is actually very good in pass protection, but they can't run block. And I mean, we were having the argument, me and Rich, whether that's actually important. Because if you can pass block, brilliant. But if you can't run block, then the offense, the defense just know what you're going to do anyway. So even if your offensive line's giving given you five seconds per play, the defense have just dropped seven guys into coverage because they know you're not going to run the ball. So does it actually matter if your offensive line can't run block, if they can pass block? So it's kind of those two things. You need both elements to work. Look at the Patriots this year. They can keep Tom Brady upright, but they can't really create holes to run the ball. So it's a really tough one. I, I, I'm coming round more on Jameis just because I kind of think that is a rookie that you're going to get in the spot. The Bucks are going to be drafting any more likely to hit in the next three years than Jameis. Probably not. So why not stick with the devil? You know,
1: I just don't think you can draft anything other than offensive
2: line. If you're the Buccaneers in the first round, <laughs> I just don't yeah, think you, you, you can. Need, you need uh, offensive line. You need defensive backs. You could, do can't draft sometimes.
1: Yeah, I mean, Matt Gay's okay. I mean, I know, <laughs> I know he had a
2: mare on Sunday, but it's yes, when I started him.
1: Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> everyone has a bad day. We still won the game, so it didn't matter. Um, but you can't draft DBs because you've drafted them for the last three years, and, <laughs> and they, they all rookies. Worked. But they were rookies. You need you need senior presence. You need to sign a veteran. You don't. You know, an edge rusher isn't the biggest need. It's it's no, a it's need, but it's not the biggest. need. <laughs> Offensive You've mark. got the
2: greatest edge rusher in the in the history of the game in Shaq Barrett. What do you need an edge rusher for?
1: Because <laughs> he's not going to be there next year.
2: <laughs> no, he's going he's to be playing somewhere on a stupidly expensive contract.
1: Yes, no, he is. Um, right, let's get through the rest of the streets. Um, the, so the 49ers will be the first team in NFL history in the Super Bowl era to play three straight games versus opponents with uh, an 800 record, uh, 10 plus games into a season. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. So they obviously won on Sunday night against the Packers. And then they've got the Ravens and then they finish with the Saints.
2: And they had the Seahawks not long ago. Like, and in between, they've had two tough games against the Cardinals. Wow
1: exactly that so you know it's not been a cakewalk schedule for for them um two fun stats about the 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 cowboys now so these are from nfl research so jason garrett is one of seven head coaches who have been with their current team since 2011 everybody except garrett has been to the super bowl with their current team garrett has never made it beyond the divisional round
2: uh those coaches are bill belichick
1: pete carroll mike tomlin sean payton john Harbaugh, and riverboat
2: ron rivera that's just awesome it just I, sums it sums it up really doesn't it
1: it also gets better is that he has the second lowest win percentage of all of those coaches and only ron rivera who's probably going to lose his job this season uh, has lower than that
2: yeah well Rivera's only really been good in the years he had newton at full health the rest of the years have all been diabolical haven't they so i mean get, the cowboys are a hilarious thing to watch because they're always just good enough to kind of do something but never quite good enough to actually turn it into anything. It's, it's it's brilliant. I love I love watching the Cowboys. They make me chuckle so much.
1: So we're going to go one further on the Cowboys. We're going to double down on Cowboys. Ooh. So um, the Cowboys are actually four and zero in their division in the NFC East. They're two and five against non divisional opponents. Their wins this season are against the Giants, who are two and nine, the Washington Redskins, who are two and nine, the Miami Dolphins, who are two and nine the Philadelphia Eagles, who are 5-6, and six, the Giants, who are 2-9, and nine, and the Detroit Lions, who are 3-7-1. and one. So every win they've had this season has been versus a sub-500 team. And when you combine their win percent or their winning record, it's 16-49-1, which is a 250 win percentage. And only Arizona have a lower win percentage against their uh, teams that they have beaten. And theirs is 175.
2: That might be my favorite stat of the day. <laughs> I, like love, I, I i love i love not completely irrelevant but just completely out there maths that make sense but doesn 't make sense at the same time that 's just cool I, I I feel like the Patriots must be down there somewhere, but then they they beat a few decent teams more recently and and the bills are boosting their record, i suppose, so that kind of helps but yeah they' went,
1: they weren 't in the bottom five
2: that 's a pretty yeah that 's pretty awesome. The problem with the NFL this year is that you, but half the teams are rubbish and half the teams are pretty good it's like a really big weird split it, I've never known a year like it. it usually you just get a ton of me- mediocrity from 1 to 32 to some extent this year you've got like 10 really good teams 12 really bad teams and then a few that don't really know what to do with themselves in the middle
1: yeah no it's crazy
2: it well, is, I like it's, that. yeah that's, that's made my day
1: I've got some good ones to finish off Russell Wilson is the only QB in NFL history who has led his team to a winning season each of the first eight seasons from 2012 to 2019 so after Sunday's win they're 9-2 and, and guaranteed a winning record
2: I love Wilson because what I, what I absolutely love about what he's done in his career is he, he he wasn't the pot finished product when he came into the league but he knew what he had to do and that was to not cost a good defence games. but as the thing has switched he has taken everything he's learned and he has developed into perhaps my, my favourite quarterback in the league, not named Tom Brady, just because he can beat you anyway. If he needs to hand the ball off 40 times a game, he'll do it and he won't complain. If he needs to lead you on fourth quarter comeback drives, he will do it. I, I, I love Russell Wilson and it, I, he's unfortunately last week has made his cater MVP pretty non-tenable at the moment, but... Just the fact that he has proven he can do it in all situations in the game make him someone I am a really big fan of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there isn't anybody that doesn't like watching Russell Wilson play um, and doesn't respect what he has done for the NFL. Um, And that's quite a rare thing in the NFL with how polarized fans are. So uh, kudos to him. Um, I'm going to sign off with my favourite stat of the week which is after their Monday Night Football win over the Rams and their win over the Patriots in week 9 the 2019 Ravens have made history they're the first team to defeat each of the previous year's Super Bowl participants by 17 or more points
2: that, that's not a stat I particularly like as someone whose oh. team is going to have to face the Ravens in the playoffs probably I, I can't believe I'm saying this but I really want the Chiefs to beat the Ravens in round 2 of the playoffs <laughs> Never did I think I'd be begging somebody. I remember getting annoyed in week two or three, whatever it was, when the Ravens were struggling against the Chiefs and thinking, oh God, that was a game for them to steal home field advantage off Patrick Mahomes when as it flipping turns out, it's the other way around. That game could be the thing that that means the Patriots get home field advantage. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I, I can't wait to see Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. I want to see... A, how he goes toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes, and I want to see B, whether Bill Belichick has a better plan. I said to you before that game, I thought Bill Belichick was going to go bland. I don't think he went completely bland, but I don't think he went all-out, balls-to-the-wall defence. I think he held something back. I want to see what happens if the Patriots get up in early in the, in the game and Lamar Jackson has to come back against the Belichick properly planned and designed for him, defence. I think those two games are going to be the games of the playoffs if they happen.
1: Absolutely. I think the playoffs are going to be special this year. I think you know, I'll be honest with you, I looked at last season's playoffs, so I didn't hold a lot of hope. I thought the Super Bowl was probably one of the better games. Um, I just felt there wasn't a lot of I mean, I thought that the NFC title game was ruined by a non-call and that's all we ever heard. Um, I thought the wildcard card round was pretty weak. I didn't really enjoy... I mean, that's a lie. I enjoy every game. But there wasn't yeah. anything that kind of stood out to me as, oh, this is going to be memorable. This is something I'm going to remember for the next five years. I can't even remember all the all the games um, that were in the, the playoffs last year because there wasn't anything... I can remember Lamar Jackson flopping and I can remember the non-call and I can remember the double doink. And that... <laughs> And I remember the Super Bowl because
2: it was such a great tactical game. But that—that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Even the good games, which were the the back and forth between the Rams and Saints and the Chiefs and Patriots, had an off season full of complaints about them, be it the overtime rules or the or the non call. Usually in the NFL, you can you can outline the four or five teams that are going to have the shot at the Super Bowl. Sometimes a team like the Giants. the Packers come from a sixth seed and surprise you but more often than not you can throw a blanket over four teams and say one or two of these are going to represent the Super Bowl they are going to be there this year it really does feel like there are no joke if we give the Bills the credit they deserve 10 teams perhaps that you think could be in the Super Bowl and I'm not counting the AFC South because I just think they're going to get walked over by somebody at some point but you're realistically looking at three AFC teams plus maybe the Bills and all six NFC teams, except for maybe the winner of the NFC East. You are saying, start of the playoffs. I could see any of those teams in the playoffs. And that is so much fun.
1: Yeah, it, 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 it's shaming out to be a great year. I think it's a little bit of a shame that the, my worry is week 16, 17 could be a bit of a damp squid um, because we're going to kind of know or damp squid even, let's get the saying right Um, (laughs) damp squid would be hilarious because I think the division titles will be handed out I think the buys will be pretty clear you might have people playing for the one seed, and you might have the Cowboys-Eagles it's probably the only things I can kind of see, maybe the AFC South could be the only other one that's not decided, but I think it's all going to be pretty much there uh, by week 16 so i think we could get two down weeks there bar week but the playoffs are shaping up to be great matchups like you said we're going to have 10 12 very good teams in the league this year and then we're going to have 12 15 terrible teams and then you've got a couple maybe that would be in the mediocre range so it it does shape up to be a good year uh, as long as we get a a really exciting sixth seed in the afc and an exciting sixth seed
2: in the NFC. There's an exciting sixth seed in the NFC. Well, if Tennessee get Oh, Derek Henry, yeah. <laughs> oh, Derek Henry and the Kansas City Chiefs as is, is a sixth seed would be fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. And the Bills going into the Colts or Texans would also be absolutely fantastic. You know what I want to see now? I want to see Tennessee win the NFC. I want to see the Bills and the Titans go head-to-head <laughs> in the first round of the playoffs. You know it'll be the... Um, the 9 o'clock game our time, the 4 o'clock game on the Saturday. So you know it's going to be that. No, is it that or is it the 1 o'clock game on the Sunday? There's always one game that's in a rubbish slot. I think it's the 1 o'clock game on the Sunday. You know it's going to be that game no one cares about. But it's actually going to be really entertaining, probably really low scoring, but two teams just knocking seven bells out of each other then having to go into either baltimore or new england and uh, get thrashed in the next round because they've absolutely killed themselves the previous week trying to win the game to get the privilege of going to one of those teams
1: yeah it, let's make it happen let's let's get it sorted we've got five weeks to get it done ben come on <laughs> we can do it um this has been a lot of fun i'm glad you uh, Answered the call. I'm glad you are able to join me tonight. Um, why don't you tell all the good folks uh, where they can find your stuff, uh, your articles, comments, Twitter, Birmingham, in case anyone wants to come visit?
2: Don't come visit me. I've got two small children that don't sleep. No one wants Not to come you. visit that. Not you, the city even...
1: Birmingham. I'm sure we sold it oh. really well that the tourism board are going to give us a contract at the end of the year. Uh...
2: Yeah, don't come visit me. Don't come visit Birmingham. Stay in the other cities. That's far nicer. Uh, Break Birmi- till Birmingham's finished building HS2 that no one's going to use. In terms of where you can find me, most of my stuff is really at the touchdown in terms of general NFL stuff. I write at least one DFS column there a week. There will be two this week with Thanksgiving. I, we have a a free Thanksgiving cost contest being hosted by DraftKings this week. Um, if you're a new user, I believe you get $10 of credit for all UK people. DraftKings works in dollars. It is a US company. You can deposit in pounds. You can do it from the UK. But... It is in dollars. It's a lot of fun. I suggest getting involved. It's skill-based gambling. I really love it. I really enjoy it. You can play for free each week, or you can play against mates. Anything like that, you do not have to put money in. It's just a fun way, if your season is over, of having some fun down the stretch. I also write a weekly... No, it was... I'm going to start writing weekly AFC and NFC playoff picture columns, which are going to include some stats from a guy that I... Uh, found on twitter who i think is absolutely amazing called lee sharp he does some absolutely beautiful graphics that i'm obsessed with um mainly because he talks about you know estimated points added which no one cares about but me and a few other analytics people i also write betting articles for Oddschecker. i write betting articles for pro football network i write another dfs column for rotoballer just just come follow me on twitter at benroll15 i write a lot of things
1: Yeah. And a special shout out, because if you can go and click uh, Ben's articles on PFN and just like scroll down for a few seconds, that gets him one nearer click to getting paid for that piece of content he puts together every week. So uh, even if you aren't going to read the whole thing for whatever reason, uh, just make it like scroll down so it looks like you have and it registers a click and that will get Ben one step closer to getting paid
2: for putting out all this amazing content. And if, nothing else, and if nothing else, you can read me beating myself up about the, t- the, the one or two picks that went wrong the previous week as opposed to focusing on the one that went right because <laughs> I'm a perfectionist and I love to get cross with myself. I'm still cross with myself that I didn't bet 10 units on that Bloomin' Ravens game. I could have salvaged my entire season on one bet.
1: Yeah, I don't know why you didn't. My biggest disappointment of the week was that I knew that game was going to be a blowout. I said on this podcast last week it was going to be a blowout and my big call and prediction was that Blake Bortles was going to enter the game. And I don't understand at 45-6 how he didn't get a snap.
2: <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, now, funny story to end the podcast on. I had this situation, two-quarterback league, bizarre deep league, really bizarre point-scoring system. I um, didn't have a quarterback, and I was going to the Wembley game. It was, I want to say, Dallas-Oakland, probably. I picked up Brandon Whedon, because I thought, <laughs> this is going to be a blowout. Brandon is going to play in the fourth quarter. Do you know what happened? Brandon Whedon came in for Tony Romo, he took three snaps do you know what he did on those three snaps he knelt down i lost point 3 no i lost yeah point 3 of a yard of a point of a touch point. i lost that week not by point 3 but i was still not happy <laughs> every time every time we go to wembley my friends remind me of that about that day when i got really excited cuz brandon Weeding went to the game only to start screaming in horror. No, don't take a knee, Brandon. Don't take a knee. And everybody around me thought I was insane. <laughs> I was like, "Come on, Brandon, just throw it deep. Come on, break, break the script, Brandon. You're winning by forty-two. This is your moment." And everyone just thought I'd gone completely bananas. Bear in mind that there was actually no one really in Wembley at that point. But
1: you, you got to uh, remember, his brain was scrambled because of a flag.
2: Oh, I, my, my brain was scrambled by fantasy football. I think. <laughs>
0: I love this
1: anyway we'll get you back on soon enough Ben we'll make sure Stocks is here um, and uh, yeah it's been it's been a real hoot having you on Uh, for the rest of you Rush Nation thanks for very much sticking with this podcast and uh, amusing myself and and Ben and and putting up some of our ridiculous takes that we put together that we don't think are ridiculous but we know some of you might Um, check out all the content that we're putting together on Fiverrush and also at touchdown.co.uk I will be back tomorrow on my lonesome again lucky you guys for uh, a look ahead podcast but i'll take a slate of games and uh, start thinking about the questions i want to know before the starts and posing some uh, information that will help you make decisions and then we do also have a stellar guest that we will be having on uh provided that he's not going to cancel due to thanksgiving which could happen and in which case you might get ben back he doesn't know this yet <laughs> hey,
2: I, 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 am i not a stellar guest i'm, uh, I'm
1: you are insulted. You <laughs> are a a guest, but I, there's more than one stellar guest. Um, no,
2: no, I am the stellar guest, and I will not have it any other way.
1: No, absolutely. <laughs> you are, especially when you answer answer the call with uh, an hour and a half notice. Um, but until tomorrow and until next week, Rush Nation, keep rushing.